Praise God. Well, you know, um, I'm really, we're really blessed because with our youngest, our younger grandchildren, we've got four grandchildren, and our two younger ones have been living with us for the past month. And uh, um, I take, you know what? Every morning, every morning, my two-year-old grandson, my youngest grandson, he bursts into our room and he yells, Papa, 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 every morning. I don't need an alarm clock. Don't need an alarm clock at all. He bursts into this room and he yells, Papa, Papa. And he does this every morning. Do you know why he does it every morning? Breakfast, yes. But he does it every morning because he knows that his papa will always, always receive him favorably. That, his, that he knows that his, he doesn't burst into the room wondering if his papa is going to be in a bad mood and I don't know if I'm going to wake him up. Did he have a bad night? He doesn't wonder that at all. He bursts into the room and says, Papa, Papa, because he knows his papa. He knows him really well. And he knows that his papa is going to swoop him up and give him big cuddles and then go and make him breakfast. He knows his papa. And, and our, the title of our new series is Revealing the Unchanging God. Revealing the Unchanging God. Exploring his immutable nature. There you go. I thought I'd just throw that in there because it sounds a bit more fancy. But anyway, <laughs> Revealing the Unchanging God. How well do you know God? How do you know Papa? How well do you know him? Because how, how well you know Papa, our Heavenly Father, how well you know him determines how you relate to him. It determines how, because if, if Papa is capricious, if God is capricious, meaning he's changeable. Like his mood is changeable. Like, oh, I don't know if I should approach God. I don't know. Have I been good enough this week to even pray to him? Have I been, you know, I don't know if I wake him, if he's going to be in a good mood, right? And here's the thing, if, if that's your view on God, it's an, health, it's an unhealthy view on God, because that's not who Papa is, because Papa is not capricious. God is not capricious. In fact, God, his character never changes. The first description we have of God's character, the first description we have of God's attributes is found in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And what's really interesting, it's actually God telling Moses, revealing to Moses who he is. He reveals, this is who I am. And in fact, this, this verse, Exodus 34 to 6, is the most quoted verse right throughout the Old Testament. It's quoted over and over again. It's when the Hebrew, Hebrew writers begin to describe God and who he is, they quote God as, as, as who he declared he is, because that's who he is. And this is what, what God says to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6. He says, this was the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. This is who God is. This is who he says he is. He says he's compassionate. In fact, all the Hebrew writers begin to say this of God, that God is compassionate, that he is gracious, that he is slow to anger, that his loyal love abounds, never stops, and he is faithful. This is the most quoted verse in the Old Testament. It's kind of like for, for Christians, and you know, one of the most quoted verses for us is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only sons, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, for, for Old Testament writers, well, that was the verse. Because this is who he is. This, this is 
who God says he is. And, and the very first word that God used to describe himself as is that God is compassionate. God is compassionate. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be going through God's attributes, his character and who he is. Because when you know who he is, then we've got no fear of how we approach God. Because then we know our Papa. And our Papa knows you. But how well do you know our Papa? So, so God is compassionate. And in Hebrew, it's the word rakum. Rakum is, is this Hebrew word. And it's this fascinating word. And it's related to the Hebrew womb, word for womb. For womb. Not that I have a womb. Like, for womb, you know? For the Hebrew word for womb. Rekim. Rekim. It's, it's related to this word. So compassion in the Hebrew Bible is centered on the core of a person. It's from within us is where compassion comes out of. And this word invites us to imagine a mother's tender feeling to her, her infant child, looking at an infant child. And, and this is what this, this word compassion is, is what it was meant to conjure up. And when we think about compassion as, as, as a mother's tender, when a, when a baby, when it looks at her child, it looks at, at the eyes, that's what compassion is. And that's why this word is, is connected to a womb. To a woman, it's, it's a beautiful word. But rakum, uh, so uh, rakum is is more than just an emotional word, more than just emotional, and it, it involves action. In fact, when we read the Bible, it's, we we see time and time again that, that that God's actions are motivated by His emotions to care and have compassion for the children of Israel. Right through, right through the book of the, uh, of the Old Testament, we read where Israel, where, where, and whenever the Israelites suffer and come under oppression, they cry out to God. And it's because of God's compassion, He always saves them, He delivers His people. And it's no wonder when God begins to describe who He is to the children out in the desert, He says, he says Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious. This is who I am. I'm compassionate. But despite Yahweh's continual compassion, the Israelites continue to turn away from. When we read scripture, Yahweh always comes, his compassion for, for Israel, he's there for them. But no matter how many times he rescues them and, and he's there for them, they have his outstretching arm time and time again, they turn away from him and they go their own way. And they begin to reject Yahweh and they begin to reject his compassion and they begin to give their allegiance to other gods. To, uh, to, to other things. And these, this is who I'm going to give my allegiance to. Yahweh's been compassionate to me, but that's, you know what? I'm going after this. This is what is attractive to my eye. This is what, what, looks, what looks pleasing to my eyes. And, you know, you know, and it's so true of ourselves. How often do, are we attracted to what's pleasing to our eyes? And that comes straight out of Genesis. About, about the fruit, the forbidden fruit. Why? Because it was pleasing to the eyes. And so they begin to reject Yahweh. And instead of being compassionate to each other, they begin to treat each other with, with disrespect and violence. Listen to this. This is Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 27. It says, therefore, this is Nehemiah speaking, therefore you deliver them into the hands of their adversaries who oppressed them. But in the time of their distress, they called to you and you heard from heaven in your abundant compassion, in your abundant rekim, and your abundant compassion, you provided them with deliverers to rescue them from their adversaries. Israel, Israel consistently came out of God's protection. God's, 
God has his protection, his hands upon Israel. And they continue to come out from him and go, I don't need, I don't, we don't need you anymore. We've got this. Continue to come out. And they begin to rebel against him. And what happens? They find themselves in trouble again. Time and time again. But, and what do they do? In their sin, even though they've rebelled against them and they find themselves in trouble, they cry out to God. They cry out to him. And because God is not capricious, because God is not capricious, because God is compassionate, he comes to their rescue. Verse 28. Then when they were at rest again, they went back to doing evil before you. Then you abandoned them to their enemies and they gained dominion over them. And when they cried out to you in your compassion, you heard from heaven and you rescued them time and again. See, every, every time Israel, like God rescues them, they find themselves at rest. What do they do? Everything's going great. I've got this. I don't need anyone else. Certainly don't need God. I've got this. I can, I've got this under control. And they, they find themselves rebelling against them again and again. And what are they? Every time they cry out to God. And because God is compassionate, he comes and he rescues Israel again. Even when they were spitting in his face. How many times do we turn our backs on God? Sometimes we don't even notice it because everything's going really well. God's come for you. He's answered your prayer. He set you free. Then all of a sudden, something catches our eye. And before we know, we're out of his protection. And we find ourselves in trouble, not of his doing, but our doing. Isn't that what we do? When we're at rest, when everything's going all good, we find ourselves at rest. But I love this. But he loves you too much to leave you alone. Because our papa is not capricious. He's not looking at you and oh, it serves you right. You're in your pain. You're crying out to me. Yeah, go cry louder. You get, you got what you deserve. You'll be back. Oh, dear. That's a reference. Where did that come from? Anyway, for those who know that movie, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Listen to this. Come back. Let's invite the Holy Spirit back in the room again. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her baby who nurses at her breast? Can she withhold compassion from the child she has born? Even if mothers were to forget, I could never forget you. This is the picture of compassion. I love this. Can a woman forget her baby who nurses at her breast? Can she withhold compassion, rakum, from the child she has born? Even if mothers were to forget, I never forget you. Even in your sin. He doesn't forget you. Even in your despair. Even when you're spitting in his face. He does not forget you. And for us, for many of us in this room, we have older children. Sometimes older children, you know, they do things that don't please. And sometimes, they, and, 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 and especially I'm hearing stories when I'm speaking to other people and how cruel some of um, children can be to their parents. I'm talking about older children. But as parents, our heart, no matter how, wherever they turn, our heart turns to, always turns towards them. The door is always open. But even if we do forget, God never does. God never does. See, God is full of motherly compassion. 
and God will rescue his people. And as we read further on in Isaiah, we, we, we realize that God is going to do that by entering in the suffering of humanity himself. And this, this points us forward to when Jesus comes on the scene. Because Jesus is Yahweh's deep compassion become human. Jesus is Yahweh's deep compassion become human. He's God's deep compassion become human. And as Jesus, when we read the stories of Jesus, it just blows your mind. And he begins to embrace the sick. When, when, when those who were so sick, you, oh, we can't touch the person with special leprosy. They're unclean. Jesus goes and he touches them and he makes them clean. That, that he's moved. He's moved with compassion and he hears the outcry. And he cares for the sick and, and, the, and the unlovable. He's there for them. But when we read Jesus, he's so much harsher on those who should know better. And I would think, wow, look, these guys should know better. But if I keep reading, I realize Jesus is talking to me. That I should know better. Sometimes we read the stories about the Pharisees. Look at these self-righteous Pharisees. Then sometimes you read, goes, wait a minute, sometimes that's me. Sometimes that, that's me. And, and the things that Jesus says, no one else ever said, no one said they ever said anything that Jesus ever said, like, nothing like it. Like, like this, Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Listen to what he says. He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you, could, if you, if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for full return. Then Jesus says something that has never been recorded in human history ever before. And now we have today. He says these words that, no one, that they've never ever heard. No one's ever heard said out loud. Verse 35, love your enemies. Whoa. What? Never heard that before. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. This doesn't sound wise. <laughs> then your reward from heaven will be very great. And, you'll be, and you truly will be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are, who are unthankful and wicked. Wow. Wow. Really? He's kind to those who are unthankful and wicked? Am I kind? To those who are unthankful and wicked, then verse 36, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. What? To be compassionate to those who offend me? What? To be compassionate to those who have wronged me? What? To be compassionate to those who have taken from me? Jesus, you've gone too far. You've gone too far, Jesus. But because Jesus is compassion, he is compassion. He never gives up on humanity, just like he never gives up on you. And in the ultimate expression 
of Rakum. Jesus is moved by compassion that he enters into humanity's suffering, into death itself. And on the cross, he died for you. Forget this. He just didn't die for the good people. He didn't just die for those who kept the Ten Commandments. Those who pay their tithes on Sundays or whatever. Tick, 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 tick. But he died for you even when you're still sitting. Even when you're cursing his name. Even when you're rebelling against him and spitting in his face. He died for you anyway. So what does this mean for us? It means that no matter how bad you think you are, it means no matter how too far gone you are, that your father, his door is always open because he's not capricious. Doesn't stand there looking at you. You deserve what you get because God doesn't do that. We do, don't we? You deserve what you get. He doesn't do that. He loved you so much that he stretched out his arms for you. And he died for you. And when did he forgive? When did he forgive the people? He forgave them before he actually died. He was hanging on the cross. There's people there cursing his name. Nailed him to a cross. What does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't say, wait, hang on, I'm just waiting for them to say sorry. Wait, wait, I'm not going to die yet. This person here, this one here, they haven't said sorry yet. But God is compassionate. It also means that, that Jesus is God's deep compassion become human. And it's the same life of compassion that Jesus calls his followers to imitate. Do there any followers in the house of God here this morning? He calls us to imitate this, and it's not easy. He calls us to be allowed to be moved by the pain of others, to embrace the hurting, regardless whether you like them or not, and to participate in relieving suffering in the world. But it's hard to be compassionate. Come on. Right? It's easier said than done. You know, it's, it's hard to be compassionate towards someone who offends me or who comes against me. Because when, they, when someone offends me and comes against me, well, then I need to take control. I need to be the one in power. And I don't care if I hurt them in the process. Because you know why? It's easier to be compassionate to our family. It's easier to be compassionate to my tribe, my people. But to be compassionate towards someone who oppresses me, that's tough. And that's exactly what Jesus challenges us to do. Because that's how we overcome evil in the world. We overcome evil. We overcome hatred with compassion. With compassion. By embracing compassion we, we gain control over ourselves. See, because it acts as a barrier against bitterness. It prevents hatred from governing our hearts. 
and it shields us from the lasting impact of unforgiveness. Compassion empowers control, shielding against bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness. So how do we embrace compassion? How do we do this, right? It's by developing something that God has given each one of us, but we don't do enough. It's called empathy. It's the ability to see something from someone else's point of view. So it's the ability to walk in their shoes, to feel what they're, it's not feeling sorry for someone. Like, oh, I feel sorry for you here. Like, here's, here's $5 and you walk on. That, it's not that. Empathy is like me understanding how'd you get there and, and then realizing and, and, and and then, and then walking in your shoes and it moves, your, it moves you to do more, your compassion to understand why they're there. Rather, oh, I bet you they just spent it on, on drugs and alcohol. They deserve this, right? I know no one thinks that. But empathy changes the way we think. Changes the way we think. The next time someone rubs you the wrong way, stop. And listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And so I used to work for the, one of the largest companies in New Zealand. We touched the world, New Zealand Post. New Zealand. I worked at the international airport, and um, I used to be a senior logistics officer. And my role as a senior logistics officer was to, um, as they loaded the aircraft, is to arrange it, make sure we've got enough aircraft containers to load all the mail in. Then I've got to balance, balance the, um, the container and make sure the documentation all, all works. And then I've got to take it to the, to the load control at whichever airlines they are and make sure everything balances and checks. And, and there's deadlines because you have to get it done before the plane leaves, right? Like, has anybody ever tried to check in your bag late? No, sorry. <laughs> well, the same thing for whether you're, it's New Zealand Post or if it's cargo. So we've got all these time frames. There's one particular, there's one particular day um, inside where they, where they load all the mailbags and do the print the labels and send it out for the guys to load the containers. There was an issue with the labeler. I'm checking, I'm coming on and checking, how's it all going, boys? Have we loaded? We're loaded. And they're going, and there's hardly anything in the container. I was thinking, we're going to be closed off in half an hour. And they said, oh, it's coming slow outside. So I go inside and they're under pressure on the inside. And, I, and I'm putting pressure on them. Hey, guys, we need, we need to get this loaded. This has got to be out. And we're going back and forth, back and forth. And finally, I had to make the call to say, no, close it off. We need the final bag. We need the documentation. I've got to balance this flight. And so, and the container's hardly full. It's not even halfway full. We close it up, get it up, and the guys pick it up and they go. And I rush down to the to low control, to United Airlines. Shows how long ago it was when United Airlines used to be here. And so, um, and I'm 30 minutes past the deadline. And I walk into the office. The guy looks at me and he loses it. He loses it. He starts swearing at me. Starts yelling. He's yelling at the top of his voice. Oh my goodness. So like he, he walked in there and he's going, you people at post, you people, you people at post, you guys think you guys have, because you know, mail is priority. Just let you know, mail is priority. We, over all, 
everything else. Mail, the mail must get through. You think you guys can just walk in there? And he's going off, he's swearing away, and he's going for it. And he's, and he's, going, and he's just calling me all sorts of things. And, I, and, and, I, and as he's saying that, I'm there, and I'm like, I said, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. <laughs> and, and the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me, like, this guy, he's under the same pressure as you. And there's so much going on in his, on, in his world. It's just not just the mouth. There's so many other things going on. And in that moment, I had compassion for this guy. Because I had one or two options. <laughs> to act negatively or to be compassionate. So I said, hey, look, I'm so sorry. It's okay. The mail can go tomorrow. Even though I knew the mail must get through. I said, the mail can go tomorrow. That's fine. That's okay. I understand. And I turn to leave, and then he goes, stop. Now he's calmed down. Give me your docs. And I go, thank you so much. And I hand him the docs. Then I leave, and I go back to, to my office. One of the, my colleagues, I tell my colleagues what happened. He goes, what? If that was me, I would have said, I would have thrown those docs on the floor and said, you can go and beep, 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 beep. That's what he said. I would have did that and walked out. And then he said to me, you know what? I'll pay anything to see you lose it. That's what he said. And I said, pay me now and I can lose it right now. <laughs> but I didn't realize at that time that I had this reputation in my workplace to be calm under pressure, to be calm, never to get angry. You need to understand something. Before I knew Jesus, this is not who I am. Before Jesus came in my life and turned my life the right way up. Because he could, if he could love me, he can love you. He can change you. And you begin to see everybody through the eyes of Christ. It changes you. Because in this way, we too can embody the compassion of Yahweh. And the words of Jesus, be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate, rings loud and true. The way God describes himself, the first words, says, when he says, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate. It rings true. So true. So when you're in pain or you see people suffering, we can be certain that God is deeply moved and to respond. That he moves with compassion for our Papa. It's not capricious. Our Papa is compassionate. Be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Amen.